The congregation, the text for this reflection service is from Romans 8, the verses 12 through 16. Romans 8, the verses 12 through 16. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So far, the theme for this evening is the Holy Spirit's advice. With the help, four thoughts. Indebted to the Spirit, mortifying through the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and receiving the Spirit of adoption. So the Holy Spirit's advice in the first place, indebted to the Spirit. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Secondly, mortifying through the Spirit. Verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. In the third place, led by the Spirit, or also witnessed by the Spirit. As we see in the next verse, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we hope to connect it also with verse 16. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit. And finally, receiving the Spirit of adoption, as we see in verse 15, we have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Congregation, our text begins with the word, therefore. Therefore. So the Apostle Paul has been talking about things, and he comes to a conclusion. He says, you know, I have told you this, and therefore, for that reason, I found out that the word therefore, araun in Greek, comes, uh, is, is quite often to be found in the epistles of the Apostle Paul, and not in the Catholic epistles. Not in 1, 2, 3 John, not in James, not in 1, 2 Peter. It's, it's especially found in the, uh, in the epistle of the Paul. Therefore, and that is, I think, also typically something of the character of the Apostle Paul. He's kind of a logic thinker. And the Lord enlightened his understanding. And we see that his character comes through in, the, in his epistles. Because he believes in an organic inspiration, don't he? Did Reverend Kirsten not teach that? And many others? Not a mechanic inspiration. Not so that the Lord dictated the Apostle Paul and that he just heard it and read, wrote it down. But it went through him. And the Lord used his character and his brain and his upbringing and his education. It was all involved. The Lord made, made all well so that the Word of God came in the Bible in an special way, organic inspiration. So we see that the different authors have different vocabularies, use different words. So also the Apostle Paul. Therefore, brethren, 
So he's referring to what? Well, you could just go, go back into this chapter. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for God's people. Therefore, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free. Therefore, so it made free. For what the law could now do, that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin the flesh. Therefore, so therefore refers to all those points previously in this chapter. The grace of God, the freedom of God, the calling of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus in God's people. Therefore, so what is first? Sanctification or justification? Do we say there is sanctification and therefore there is justification? Or do we say there is justification and therefore sanctification? Well, you know that. What is first? Faith or good works? Well, the Armenians say you have to do your best and you have to obey the Lord and you have to serve him and therefore you'll be saved. And we say the other way around. He said, Lord, save these people, and therefore they live a holy life. It's exactly the opposite. So in this evening hour, we also encourage God's people, them that profess something, to now also show that. You have received something. You have been led by the Spirit. You have been starved by the Lord. You have received a new heart. You are chosen from eternity. Therefore, see, we see that quite often in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, For ye are bought with a price, bought with blood. It was quite a price, a high price. Lord Jesus paid for his people. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. Therefore, see? Or Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See that also that therefore, or Colossians 3 verse, 5, 3 verse 3 and 5, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Mortify therefore, mortify therefore your members which are upon earth, uncleanness, fornication, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So that small word, that insignificant insignificant word, is not so insignificant. It's an important word, therefore. So have you attended this morning? You profess something? Oh, you better show that. In sanctification, you are owing the Lord something. No, you cannot pay back. It's not so that you say that the Lord gave so much, I have to pay something back to the Lord. That's what we do in our families, in our relationships, right? It's people give something, you give something back. And if people do something for you, you do something back for them. Not, not that. The Lord does not need that. He does not need that help. But the Lord yet wants people to sacrifice for him, and to glorify him, to honor him, because he's worthy of our honor and glory. Therefore, brethren, do you notice the love, brethren, which also include the females, the sisters? Brethren, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, 
not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Don't do that. So if someone professes something and lives after the flesh, he will yet die. He has deceived himself. He deceived others. That has never been true. So there can be. The Lord wants his church to fight the good fight for that reason. Not to the flesh. Flesh is the sinful flesh. Sin flesh is that old man within, that old nature. You know God's people when they have a new heart? They have a new heart. They still also have an old man, an old woman in themselves. And that flesh does not want to surrender. And they have to live with that awful flesh, that body of death, the rest of their lives. And they should not feed it. They should not support it. They should not live according to it. They should be against it. Not living after the flesh, but after the spirit. To live after the flesh. After the flesh. After. What does it mean after? Someone before and after? In place or in time? No. But after in this text means according. So the gospel after Matthew. The gospel after Luke. After means according, following from that. And so, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. Indebted to the Spirit. Think about it. And maybe you can write it down for yourself. Or just make to uh, think it through for yourself that the Lord has given so much that it is absolutely normal that you show it in your life. So not the works first, but grace first, and for that reason, barking not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Our second thought mortifying through the Spirit. Verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Living as a Christian is not easy. It is hard work. It is not a walk around the block. It is not a straw. You know, maybe some of you are hiking and you try to find out what is an easy hike and what is medium, what is moderate, and what is steep and difficult. And maybe you say, I would like to have the, the easy ones. But the trail of God's people is the hardest. It's not easy, it's sweating. Your heartbeat goes up. It's tiring. Maybe someone says, but I read in the Bible that take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall rest, find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes. Even on those steepest pieces of the trail. It is yet something of a desire. They don't want anything else but to fight. And there are the weaknesses, there's all the old man, all flesh, and yet, with the help of the Lord, they walk the difficult trail. Not, not a straw, not a, not a walk around the block. It's, 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 it's fighting. It is mortifying. That's the word, right? But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, children, what is that? Mortify. What is mortal? What is a mortal accident? What is mortality? Has to do with death, right? 
And what is fly, mortify, what is glorify and beautify and to fly means to make. So glorifying is to make glorious. And what is mortify then? To make dead. To kill. So God's children are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And they are supposed to not wound, but kill. They go for the kill. They, they, they want to do anything possible to kill the enemy, to kill that sin inside, to kill the devil, to kill the enemies. They want to walk in his ways. So they are called to mortify. They're armed for that reason. Romans 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Not serving sin, but to, 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 to crucify, that's not a word, to crucify or mortify. Crucify is to make someone crucified. So, knowing this, our man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Destroyed. That's the purpose. To destroy that body of sin. What is that? Body of sin. Is that your body? And the Apostle Paul is asking, Lord, deliver me from that body of death. Against standard body of death. Rescue me from that body of death. What does he say? Does she want to die? Does she want his body to die? No. The body of death is the same as that old man. That old man, that old woman within. That is the old nature. That is not renewed. That is fighting against it. That is the body of death. And the body of death, they carry along everywhere. In a way, it's dead dead already, but also needs to be mortified in a constant way. Colossians 3, verse 5, mortify therefore. See, therefore. Same thing. Colossians 3, verse 5, mortify therefore your members. Members? The members of that body, the sin members. Mortify your members with yourself on earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Mortify. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which bore against the soul. The lust of the flesh. The lust within. The lust for money. The lust for power. The lust for intimacy. The lust for selfishness. It's such a power within. Dearly beloved, abstain from fleshly lusts which bore against the soul. Fight back and fight hard. Fight hard. Therefore, it's worth it. So for that reason, God's children need weapons. Right? The soul without weapons was a sense of that. So also in Ukraine, they need weapons, right? And they try to also shoot Russian tanks. Without weapons, it won't work. So it's also in a spiritual sense. God still need weapons. And they have quite powerful weapons to fight against sin, those lust tanks coming their way. They know how to use those stingers. They know how to use that, their weapons. Of course, in the Bible, we read it in a different way. But also, the whole armor of God 
See? The Lord provides armor. He, he, he provides weapons for God's people so they can fight. He says, go ahead, mortify, crucify, kill them. Like that girdle, the soldier's head, and the breastplate, and the military boots, and the shield, and the helmet, and the sword. It's all mentioned in the Bible, Ephesians 6. The loins girt about with truth. So if you fight and modify the lust in the enemies, you need truth. You need truth from the Bible. You need to read it. You need to believe it. It needs to be true. You need to keep it up. In, in fighting sin, Bible reading is one of the most important weapons. If you don't read the Bible, you don't have weapons. You need to read it. You need to just glance over it and rattle it off. Read, read it. Therefore, if you know something of that life, therefore, mortify with all nature and Use that, take unto you that whole armor of God. And think of the breastplate of righteousness, of forgiveness. And of the preparation, the feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. To also witness and to go into the offensive. Instead of only being defensive, offensive. And the shield of faith, both an important one. To trust in the Lord. To not trust in self, to not doubt in the Lord. And the helmet of salvation, of the hope of salvation. So being sure that there is a victory. And the sword of the Spirit, which is also the word of God. Therefore, fight against it. And don't let your guard down. For if you live after the flesh, according to your lusts, you shall die. You, you should die anyway, right? We all, we all die. But this is even more than dying. This is a spiritual death. This is an eternal death. So when you die without grace, if you have not mortified the body of sin, if you have no knowledge of that grace in Christ Jesus, you will die forever. You will be raised in newness of life, and you will die with a new body forever. You will, you hope to, you will, you will come to, to an end of death. You desire to die, and you keep dying, you will never die. Do you dare to consider that, and to think about that? Even for God's people, that's good. That they just remind themselves and their temptations, you know, what do we want? Do you want to be lost? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be with the Lord? Those, those things must cross your mind. The Lord wants the church to fight because it does not go automatically. You can't say as a child of God, I will sit back because the Lord has begun a good work, so I'm fine. But that's not how it works. If you reason that way, then you make it clear that you never knew anything about it. <clears throat> For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit, through the Spirit, not in your own strength, not in your own power, but depending upon the Lord in prayer, Through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. Ye shall live. You will be more than conquerors through him that loved us. It will be well with you. <clears throat> so fighting, sometimes it's called enduring in the Bible. But the but he that shall endure unto the end, 
the same shall be saved. So it's necessary to endure to the end. So that's why at church service and Lord's Supper, let me talk about the service first, is not only for the conversion and the salvation of God's of, of unconverted ones, also for the salvation of God's people to keep to keep them going. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. Once converted is always converted. But yet God's people have to fight. And they need to be encouraged. And they need to be threatened even. So that we ourselves glory in, in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribula- tribulations that ye endure. Enduring. Now therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, be a soldier. Be a soldier. And therefore, see, therefore again, endure hardness. It is a light yoke, yet it is enduring hardness. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Just holds back and does not give in. Blessed are you, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And of course, Romans 8, from the later verses in 37, Nay, in all these sayings, ye are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Not conquer ourselves, but mortify by the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and through him that loved us. The Lord is behind that. The deeds of the body. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Next thought, led by the, by the Spirit. I was doubting, but should I call this thought led by the Spirit or led by the or witnessed by the Spirit? We take it together, verse 14 and verse 16. We need someone to lead us. Let me just change the example. And think of Mount Everest. I don't recommend anyone to climb the mount. I think that's suicidal. That's that's dumb. That is wrong to that. It is so many die on there. It's a hard time believing that a Christian can do that. But leaving that alone, if someone is doing that, then he needs to call it a sharpa, a guide. And he inspects the gear and the shoes and the helmet and the oxygen tank and the ice pick and you name it. So they need, they need a guide. And he warns, it's too steep there. It's too slippery there. It's too, there, there's a crevice over there. And he leads carefully. He has experienced, he has been, been there before. Does it make sense, children? A guide in such a difficult tour and trip? And so the Holy Spirit, with reverence, the Holy Spirit leads in that fight against sin. And he says, this way and that way. And he leads, he takes the hand, he takes the heart of God's people. And he proves them away like a shepherd, right? The shepherd also is leading. That's the biblical example. The shepherd is also the leader. In Israel, the, the shepherd went ahead of the flock. Some of our elderly remember the shepherds, the flocks in Holland, and that the shepherds are behind the flock, and, and they know where to go. And the dogs lead the, 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 the flock. But no in Israel... The shepherd went ahead of, of, of the flock, and they followed him, right? His voice and followed him. 
And so the Holy Spirit is also the one who's leading. 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The sons of God, the brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus, in a spiritual sense, he is their own brother, right? That's all important. But the Holy Spirit leads. He leads God's people because they are the sons of God. Leading, that means a close life. It means that he warns them, that he shares with them, that he glorifies God in them, that he connects with them. But I connect this also to the next verse, the verse 16, the Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the question is this, in 14 and 16, how do you know? How do you know that you are a child of the Lord? That you don't deceive yourself. And that is, and this is not a preparatory service, I know that. But yet the Bible also speaks about that in the context of therefore. And of, in the context of saying Father. So we will enter that saying Father, that, that spirit of adoption, Say Abba Father, because people cannot say Abba Father if they are not led by the Spirit, if they don't know if they are God's people. So, how do God's people know that it's not common work, common impression, but that it is the saving work? There are at least two ways of finding out. The first one is, let me say, the analytical way. So God's children find the marks of grace in the Bible, the marks of grace in our creeds and in the hypercatechism and in the Corinthians of the Lord. They, they, they are based on the Bible and they just show the marks of grace. So they Check themselves and say, do I know this? Do I know that? Do I know that misery? Do I have that filial fear? Do I have that true faith? So then they check if they have that. Not in a mathematical way. Not just in the sense of two plus two is four thing. But to give the, Lord, the Holy Spirit gives them a delight in it. A delight in finding out that things have changed. They just cannot deny it. They say, see, that is the Lord at work. For example, in the Kings of the Lord, page 113, I will read to you. It's clear. Let me, uh, this, this is wrong, it's page 99. The elect, article 12 on page 99. The elect in due time, God's time, though in various degrees, is not all the same, and in different measures, attain the assurance of this, their eternal and unchanging election, how? Not by inquisitively prying into the secret and deep things of God. No. But by observing in themselves with a spiritual joy and holy pleasure the infallible fruits of election pointed out in the Word of God. I repeat that. By observing in themselves 
with a spiritual joy and the holy pleasure, the infallible fruits of election pointed out in the Word of God, such as the true faith in Christ, filled with fear, godly sorrow for sin, a hungering and thirsting after righteousness, etc. By the way, are you familiar with that? By observing in yourself with spiritual joy and holy pleasure, those marks of grace? But that's not what this chapter is about. This chapter is about the, the other way of a direct influence of the Holy Spirit to the heart. The Holy Spirit talks to my spirit. The Holy Spirit, through the Word, lays that Word of God so in my heart that it feels like the Lord is speaking directly to me. Not by showing marks of grace, but that the Lord assures me that I am a son or a daughter of the living God. So that's what I read here, right? The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So that is a very special way of assurance by which God's people say, Abba, Father. It's called in the Bible the earnest, the earnest of the Spirit. Maybe not so familiar with that. You can look it up in the concordance. The earnest of the Spirit. Who has, given, who has also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He seals it in the within. Or 2 Corinthians 5, Now he that has wrought us for the self, same thing as God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Or Ephesians 1, In whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. After you believed, you were sealed with it. And Ephesians 1.14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the person's possession and the praise of his glory. When the Holy Spirit gives that earnest of the Spirit in your heart, then he bears witness with your spirit and you know it. You know it. You hear it out of his mouth. It's the application of the Holy Spirit. And it is so clear. At, 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 at that moment, you have absolutely no doubt. At that moment, it's so special, so powerful, so easy, so, so close. You just know it. What a joy it is. The happiness. When the Lord gets that joyful insight, not only about the Master of Grace, but if he also speaks directly to your heart of his salvation. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And that is what you find on page 113 in the Kansas Lord. This assurance, that's Article 10 of the Fifth Head of Doctrine, page 113, this assurance, however, is not produced, is not produced by any peculiar revelation contrary to or independent of the Word of God. Not a dream, not a voice, not a vision, nothing like that. Not produced by any peculiar revelation contrary to or independent of the Word of God but springs forth from faith in God's promises, which he has most abundantly revealed in his word for our comfort. 
And secondly, from the testimony of the Holy Spirit, witnessing with our spirit that we are children and heirs of God. Romans 8.16 is quoted here. And lastly, the third one, from a serious and holy desire to preserve a good conscience and to perform good works. And if the elect of God were deprived of this solid comfort that they shall finally obtain the victory and of this infallible pledge or earnest of eternal glory, they will be of all men the most miserable. But they, they receive that. If not, if they would never know, in such a fight, waging such a war, and that not knowing, they'll be the most miserable of all men. They do. Now, do you think that all God's people have that? Do all God's people have that Holy Spirit witnessing with their spirit? They're God's people. Some say there's only for very few. Very few of God's people, they can say, I'm a father. Very few of God's people have that special witness of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do we say, see here? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the seed of adoption, thereby we have a Father, and the Spirit shall bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the reader, I come to the conclusion that somehow, some way, all God's people have something of that witness of the Holy Spirit. All of them. More or less, more frequently or less frequently, more powerful or less powerful, but they all have that. Also those little ones. Some of the city and church, Lord opens it to them, and they hear the glad tidings, and they believe it. And the Lord testifies in their heart that they are his, and an hour later then they don't dare to say anything about it anymore. But the Lord has spoken to them, and they remember that. And they, they know that. But they lose the power of it. And as it's also clear, right, in the Kansas Lord, in Article 10 on page 113, as we read, it's clear that all God's people have it. It's the faith based upon the promises. And is that the witness of the Holy Spirit brings to the last law. Verse 15 is a beautiful verse also for a reflection service, isn't it? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Lord is not, does not want this church to be in bondage and to fear constantly and to fear again. They feared enough, as given not, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you, you have received, you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we have received. Let's first talk about what that means, to say, Abba, Father, Abba, is the Aramaic word for father. Some say this is an endemic term. Beloved father, something. Dear father, I have not found any support for that. I think it's, it, it, it simply means father in two different languages. Abba, father, the same thing. And when the Lord gives that, then there is that spirit of adoption, right? The spirit of adoption testifies with that spirit that they are his people. 
And his people means simply his children, right? And his children means what? That he is a father. What else? An employer, a master. They're the children of God. As soon as you talk about God's children, you include that they have a father. So the Lord wants his church to also know that. And I like to encourage God's people, even if they have a hard time saying Father, to yet do it. To yet begin saying in their personal prayers, Our Father. It's hard time, you have a hard time to get over your lips. You're not so used to it, maybe. The Hyber Catechism speaks about that. I read on page 83, question 120. Why has Christ commanded to address God thus? Our Father. Why has Christ commanded? Yeah. The answer is that immediately in the very beginning of our prayer, he might excite in us a childlike reverence for and confidence in God, which are the foundation of our prayer. Namely, that God is become our Father in Christ, and will much less deny us what we ask of him in true faith than our parents who refuse us earthly things. The Lord Jesus commanded his disciples to say our Father. He Life's excite, the childlike fear, the trusting in him. To those little ones in faith, for hard I'm saying that. Do it tonight. Be, begin your prayer tonight. If you may know something of that, of those marks of grace, of the, of the, of the true faith, the Lord has spoken to your soul of his salvation. If you have attended the Lord's Supper, Say, Father, I heard tonight that I have been adopted by thee, that I, be, that I am a son or a daughter of thee. And Lord, I have a hard time saying that because I feel so unworthy of that. It is so great to believe that. But teach me to believe that. And in the meantime, say it, whisper it. God is also a father in a different sense. I know. Like on Mars Hill, the Apostle Paul said, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, silver, stone. Offspring of God. There's also, a, there's also it's, it's true for all people. You're all God's offspring, made in his image. But that's not what's meant here in Romans 8. We also know that the apostle, that the prophet Isaiah speaks of, thou art our father, speak on behalf of the people of Israel. That's also not what's meant here. Abba father is personal. A child of God saying Abba, saying Father to God. And I don't want to do that flippantly, as so many do. Right? Even, even the, the Pharisees did that. We are not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God, they said. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Right? So they believed God was their father. He wasn't. That's not the option. What they were missing is that spirit 
of adoption. What we're missing was is that testimony of the Holy Spirit witnessing with their heart. But if you know of the Lord, speak to your heart of his salvation. And if you had the courage and the freedom and the faith to attend the Lord's Supper, then you're at least a little one, if it's true, a little one. And those little ones also may say, Father. It was sad. Ye have received the spirit of adoption. Thereby we cry, Abba, Father. Don't suppress it. You may have the lowest thoughts of self. That's all right. But don't have those low thoughts of God. He wants you, Father. And it's not right that God's people only say God and don't use the word Father. The Lord Jesus led his people in this way. Do all God's people have the same insight and the same equal assurance? No. It's different. Some only whisper it sometimes and some more. Some have more insight to the Lord Jesus. It is, there are differences. We saw it also in the canons, right? Different measures. A variety of, of, of in, in assurance. It's not all the same. But we like to encourage though, God's people to grow in grace and to have a proper freedom in calling upon the Lord's name. Therefore, therefore, brethren, therefore, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have not received that. It's only yourself. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen.